I hope you can hear me. Uh, this is Jacinta Kagai, and as Nyawera said, I'm a gender expert, a gender activist, and a youth advocate. I am really passionate about the topic of today and really hoping we will interact and engage and be able to actually understand what sexual violence is and actually learn what we can do in the society to address this issue. Thank you. Oh, wow, wow, what a beautiful interaction. I love the energy that is coming from her. And you can tell that she is a gender activist and someone who is very passionate about this topic. And sexual violence is something that happens every single day. Sometimes we get highlights like the, you know, gruesome incidents that we had to witness recently. But this is basically something that goes on every single day that is why it's important to have avenues where people that are well informed on the topic can spread the knowledge about sexual violence or effects of sexual violence how you can seek redress from you know sexual violence it's important to have this conversation and we're very glad that we are creating a platform where people can come and listen in and know how to handle everything that has to do with sexual violence so jacinta i would not like to take up more of this time i wish to welcome you to take us through your presentation and anything you'd like to teach us today about sexual violence then if you have any question after that, we're going to write it down and we'll have a Q&A session. So you're very welcome, Jacinta. Uh, you can message me anytime on WhatsApp if you need any technical assistance, but the floor is yours. Hi, Nyawera and our audience today. I mm -hmm. wanted to share my presentation. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm able to share from Google mm -hmm. Meet. Uh, it, it can share. I don't know if you're on a, a laptop. I can assist you with that. Yes, yes. Are, are you, on, are you on, on, on your laptop? Yes. Okay, so so I think you had shared it for a minute, and then it didn't come through. If you're close enough to your WhatsApp, uh, I want to send you an image of where to tap. There's yeah. a sharing icon at the bottom that will Actually, help you share your screen. Yeah, are you presenting? You're presenting. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nawira. Uh, so the topic of today, as I was told uh, by the team, is sexual violence. And I said, uh, my name is Jacinta Kagai. I'm a gender expert and activist. And uh, the objectives of today, I went through the objectives that I was given. And as I was forming this presentation, I thought, what would I want uh, my audience to know today? I would want you people to understand what sexual violence is and specifically in the Kenyan context and also strengthen your capacity to be able to support survivors of sexual violence since this is a menace in our country today and also develop interest to prevent sexual violence in the community. So I'm going to go straight ahead to some of the key concepts that we need to really understand before we even tackle sexual violence in itself. 
So violence is the intentional use of physical force or power which can be threatened or actual against oneself or even another person or group of persons or a community that can either result in or has a high likelihood of resulting in injury, physical harm. Gender-based violence is any harmful act that is perpetrated against a person's will and is based on social fears gender differences between survivors. Survivors are individuals or groups who are suffered, suffered sexual and gender perpetrator. Who is a perpetrator? A perpetrator is a person who directly inflicts supports and condones violence or other abuse against a person or a group of persons. Then what is power? Power is ability to influence or control an individual or a group of people. Before we go to sexual violence, we need to know that there are different types of gender-based violence. And I thought it wise to mention the different types, and then now we can narrow to sexual violence. So the different types of gender-based violence include sexual violence, which we are discussing today, physical violence, emotional and psychological violence, socioeconomic violence, harmful traditional practices, and commercial, which is other terms also is known as economic violence. So what is sexual violence? Sexual violence is any sexual act. Attempt to obtain a sexual act, unwanted sexual comments or advances, or acts to traffic women's sexuality, Use otherwise directed by any person, regardless of their relationship to the victim, in any setting, but not limited to the home or even the workplace, and sometimes even at school. I chose to take the definition of the World Health Organization as I find it very detailed. So that's the note that. Sexual violence occurs in different forms. It can be um, in a form of rape, marital rape. There is child sexual abuse. There is defilement. There is incest. There is forced sodomy or anal rape. There is attempted rape or attempted forced sodomy or anal rape. There is forced prostitution, also referred referred to as sexual exploitation, which also can be sextortion, sexual harassment, sexual violence as a weapon of war and torture, such as what we are seeing in communities where there is conflicts and war. Uh, sexual violence is used a lot as a weapon of war. So we'll go deep into the different types of sexual violence. So some of the types of sexual violence include rape. When we talk about rape, really, what do we mean? Rape is unlawful sexual intercourse with a person against their wishes or without their permission. And what is defilement? Defilement is unlawful sexual intercourse with any person under the age of 18. And we are, I'm going to explain further about defilement and why um, sexual intercourse with someone uh, below the age of 18 is actually defilement. 
Then we have attempted rape or defilement. So this is any trial to rape or defile a person, even if it is unsuccessful. Sorry, sorry, just a minute. Uh, hi, SE Vlog, welcome. Would you maybe please mute your microphone? Hi, Essie. I on a connection and we put with any person under the age of 18 then there is attempted rape or defilement so this is when now someone is trapped that is termed as a attempted rape or defilement and it actually has a consequence according to law then there is sexual harassment or sexual assault or indecent acts so this is any unwanted sexual offers request for sexual acts and any verbal or physical sexual conduct or act then another type of sexual violence is incest which includes sexual violence or sexual intercourse sorry between family members or close relatives then we have forced prostitution so this is when a person is made to offer up sexual acts to get money or as payment without willingness so those are some of the types of sexual violence and i as i also said earlier it can come in different forms like when it is in a marital um in a marriage or in a marital setup this is termed as marital rape so between a husband and and and, and wife so when it's a child it's child sexual abuse and generally defilement and then now when um that sexual act is actually happening I'll be very um, free to speak when it's happening through the anus that is anal rape or can be called forced sodomy, which according to our context in Kenya right now, we found young boys actually going through sodomy cases and anal rape, which ultimately is um, termed as defilement when dealing with these cases in court. So now, let us understand why then do we have sexual violence? Why would I have, uh, or someone would have sex with someone below the age of 18 and it be termed as defilement or sexual violence? It's because when we talk about sexual violence, sexual violence happens where there is no consent. And we must understand that sexual violence happens when there is a power imbalance between two people. So sexual violence and generally gender-based violence, its root cause is power imbalance and where someone now has power and control over you and they want to exert now that power and control over you. So consent, when we talk about consent, consent is in sex is when someone allows you or gives you permission to be sexually intimate with them. And I chose this word sexually intimate because i wanted to make it clear even when you uh, when you're probably touching someone sexually this should be through consent so when someone gives you permission to be sexually intimate with them then consent has 
values, consent should be well communicated. Consent should be free. No one should be coerced. And that is why we say it's something like sextortion when we were talking about sexual violence. Then consent is also voluntary. Someone, so it should be like, it shouldn't be like a power imbalance. And we find in so many cases in our country right now, probably a, a father is trying to, no, that is actually incest. But probably you find someone who is helping a family having sex with a young girl because probably they pay their school fees, right? So that's that's no consent. It, it cannot happen and it's not right. Then consent in itself, it should also be enthusiastic, right? The two people should be enthusiastic to have sex or to be sexually inti- intimate with each other. So we say consent cannot and shouldn't be forced. So any any coerced form of sexual act is actually rape or some of the forms we've talked about earlier. So three people cannot consent. A child cannot consent. Anyone below the age of 18 in our country cannot consent to sex. Then anyone with a mental disability or mental illness cannot consent for sex. And the that person who cannot consent is anyone under the influence of drugs, which we say anyone who is intoxicated. So any sexual activity with these people or any sexual activity in the absence of consent is actually sexual abuse or assault. So really do this gender-based violence or sexual violence happen and what's the prevalence of, of GBV and sexual violence in general in the society. We find that in Kenya, 32% of young women aged 18 to 24 years and 18% of their male counterparts reported experiencing sexual violence before the age of 18. And according to the Kenya Demographic Health Survey, 38% of women aged 15 to 49 have experienced sexual violence. This is the KDHS 2014 report. And four out of 10 women in Kenya had experienced some form of GBV. 45% of women and 44% of men aged 15 to 49 have experienced physical violence. And 14% of Kenyan women aged 15 to 49 experience sexual violence. This is according to a reveal by the National Conference on GBV, which happened in 2019. And we might have noticed that with COVID-19, GBV and sexual violence in general actually increased. So according to the Gender-Based Violence and Recovery Center documents and reports, they reveal that one in three Kenyan female has experienced an episode of sexual violence before the age of 18. While 39% and 47% of Kenyan women experience GBV in their lifetime. I don't know if we saw this report, but the National GBV Hotline 1195 had 206 reported defilement cases between June 2020 to September 2020. And an overall 5,009 GBV cases were also reported in 2022 compared to 1,411 in, 20, in 2019, yeah. So as we can see, this is a very sad st- 
statistic and really sexual violence and GBV in general is clearly a matter that should be of concern to every Kenyan. And as Nyawera actually said, we also saw a form of sexual harassment that happened recently. So we need to do something about what's happening in our country, what's happening in, in the world actually. So who can experience sexual violence? Everyone can be a survivor. We, it's important to know that everyone can be a survivor. But there's some population usually highly at a greater risk, so making them so vulnerable to sexual violence. This includes populations such as women and girls and young women, children, persons or women with disabilities, e.g. physical, the deaf community, etc. Persons or persons with mental disabilities, sexual minority groups, sex workers, and also aged women. And as we can see there, it's a form of sexual harassment and actually shows both uh, towards a man and also towards a woman. So why are young women particularly vulnerable to GBV? And why do people actually talk more about GBV happening to women and, and girls and we have seen the statistics actually show it's because as a young woman in one way or another sometimes you will need skills you're discriminated at you cannot negotiate condom use when probably you're having sex you're not represented in policies in different decision making tables as a young woman, you do not have access to education. Others make decisions for you about your own health, about your own body. So really, you as a young woman, you face sexual violence. So young women particularly are vulnerable to GBV, as we have seen in the statistics. And most of the GBV or sexual violence cases actually go unreported. And some of the reasons why people don't report is because of victim shaming, you know. People will ask you, were you drunk? People will tell you, you led someone on, you know. People will tell you, what were you wearing that day? Some people would say, no, you know, my brother, my son, my whoever cannot, can never do such a thing. And then probably when you, because some of the survivors come uh, later to talk you know, when they have actually had the courage, people will ask, why after all these years are you talking? And we've seen that in our country, you know. People will say, I don't believe you. So this is to show you that some of most cases actually of sexual violence go unreported. And we've seen some of the reasons why survivors do not report. So I'll quickly go to the effects of sexual violence. Sexual violence is really a menace in our country and it's it's wrong it hurts everyone and it it hurts the community it hurts the survivor so some of the effects will have psychological issues post-traumatic stress depression loss of self-esteem teenager unwanted pregnancies especially when it's towards um, teenagers school dropouts and a vicious cycle of, of poverty actually in the community because someone will have a, a teenage pregnancy or a child pregnancy then they'll drop out of school and then they won't be able to take care of their children and then this child again you know so 
it becomes a vicious cycle of poverty in the community actually we have victim blaming blaming and shaming in the community when a survivor comes out expensive cost for treatment sometimes you know um we have fear shame and guilt the survivor suffers fear shame guilt low performance at work or school if it happens to someone going to school or someone working you know because we as we say they have post traumatic stress they have this fear they have this guilt in them sometimes when it's someone it's uh, sexual violence with someone who is infected the survivor may end up getting hiv or other sexually transmitted infections we've also seen survivors commit suicide we've seen cases of sexual violence where they actually do um they actually violate the survivor and actually kill them so death has also occurred in sexual violence cases we've seen self harm because the survivor is going through psychological issues we've seen concerns about physical safety a survivor is not does not feel safe any longer going anywhere and i must say in respect that women are actually mostly concerned about their physical safety because that's we've created a community where women and girls are not safe anywhere and i am actually remembering a, a a time i was walking going home and it was really late it was dark and this man actually came and tried to to make me fearful and and i asked him i told him that's not right you know we don't have the privileges as as girls as young women to walk freely at night you, you shouldn't do something like that you shouldn't take advantage of of us and our fear you know and they were like no you should always be ready and just recently also i was with a boda boda guy and they carried me because i i i was going home late and then i asked them you see why can't i walk the distance from the place to home is very close and i was asking i'm fearful to walk to my home but as a man you can actually walk anytime any day and go and do, and don't feel anything why is it so i asked and it's like you know uh because you girls are fearful and i told them why are we fearful you know and at the end of the of the conversation it was like actually the problem is you know sometimes what we do as as men such that our lady would have fears of of being raped or all those kind of of things so and you can now imagine when such uh, an occurrence of sexual violence happens to a survivor they will have now even greater concerns about their physical safety so it, it is also important for us to note that effects can be physical psychological emotional economical and also trickle down to survivors close family members friends and also the community at large so what are some of the strategies that have been put in place to prevent or even address sexual violence we have gender desk at at the police stations in most police stations um i'm sorry to say that some police stations actually don't have gender desk but we've seen an improvement in this so in most police stations you'll find the gender desk and uh some are functional and we've had cases where we've worked and we've seen others are not functional and i'm really appreciative of the government 
and also other non-government organizations working in Kenya who are actually trying to make sure that gender desk in the police stations are actually functional. So when you go to a gender desk, you'll always find a policeman or even a policewoman who would talk to you and, and help you when you've gone through sexual violence. Then there is gender-based violence and recovery centers, such as centers in Kenya National uh, Kenyatta National Hospital. Then uh, Busia Referral Hospital also has one. We have Kajedo Referral Hospital, which also has a GBV recovery center and also other other hospitals. I, I was not able to name all of them. I just named actually those are the ones I'm actually sure that they exist. Then we have general violence recovery centers, which are private by the Nairobi Women's Hospital, and they actually support survivors and they are very functional. Then we also have organizations which have come up with sexual harassment policies. So if you are what you work somehow you're in an institution, you should be able to question or even get to know, do you have a sexual harassment policy existing in your workplace or in this institution that you, you are in? And if there is none, you can actually ask for it or push for it because it actually protects um, survivors in the workplace and actually prevents GBV and sexual violence in at the workplace or even in, in institutions. For example, when I was studying at Kenyatta University, there was a sexual harassment policy in place. Then we have national and international legal frameworks that actually talk about these issues and also advance this course. Then we've also had advocacy efforts and initiatives by different organization, community organization, and also what NetPlus is doing here today. So some of what is advocated for is a multi-sectoral approach to SGBV response, which includes the security, legal to ensure there is justice, health for the survivor, and also psychosocial support. So in when you go to the securities, what I was saying about the gender desk, you'll always find a functional gender desk. We will push for that to ensure that all gender desks are functional. That is where now investigative cases are done. They will get a P3 form given to the survivor. And the P3 form should be at no cost. The P3 form is free, especially for sexual violence cases. And then now the police should also ensure that there is the security to the survivor. Then at the health centers, and this is what we are calling the GBV recovery centers, this is where now they take the medical history of the survivor and they conduct further tests based on the report made. And they conduct the relevant medical examination, they fill the PRC form, the Ministry of Health 363 form, and they fill it out and also fill the sections, uh, the medical sections of the P3 form. So when we are handling survivors, we should remember that survivors need confidentiality and they also need safety. And also at the health centers is where now the survivor is provided with, with uh, medicine to prevent um, STIs and also hepatitis B prevention and also given psychosocial support. So as we can see here, it's 
for us to actually address GBV and sexual violence, there needs to be a multi-sectoral approach from the community in itself, which is actually the first place. It's where the survivor lives and where they end up reporting. Sometimes you may not have uh, to go to the police station. I've gone to places where there are no police stations in this country. And they have to report probably to a chief or if the sexual violence is in school, they report at school to the school management or the head, uh, the head um, teacher of the school or a CSO that exists there, or the children's department. And then now they go to the police, they go to the health, so from the police they go to the health, and then there's prosecution, there's the judiciary, and also now probation for the perpetrators. So different legal frameworks exist under sexual violence. The Constitution of Kenya in itself has the Bill of Rights. This Bill of Rights provides that everyone has a right to freedom, security, right to not to be subjected to any form of violence or torture. We have the very, very important Sexual Offenses Act 2006. This is something that everyone should read, everyone should know, because it broadens the definitions of sexual offenses. And I'm sure Nyawera would actually even explain this better than me. And... The Amendment 2011 also strengthens the 2006 Act and it provides for prevention and protection of all persons from harm through sexual acts. So I'd really advocate for people to go through the Sexual Offenses Act because it will guide us in knowing how we can go about in sexual violence cases. Then we have the Sexual Offenses Regulation 2008. We have the Penal Court. Cap 63, Laws of Kenya, which enhances sentences on sexual violence as well. And Counter-Trafficking in Persons Act prevents, suppress, and punish trafficking in persons, especially women and children. And here now is what we're talking about, uh, prostitution, um, sexual violence in form of uh, sexual prostitution or where girls or women are trafficked, or even sometimes men are trafficked for sexual acts. So this act actually protects against that. So we also have regional and international instruments. So Kenya has ratified international treaties and regional conventions on elimination of sexual and gender-based violence and gender equality, such as the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action of 1995, the UN Convention on Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, which encompass SGBV. The UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, which requires states parties to protect children from all forms of violence, maltreatment, or exploitation, including sexual abuse. The UN Declaration on the Elimination of Violence Against Women, that affirms that violence against women constitutes a violation of the rights and fundamental freedoms of women. So in the regional, the AU adopted protocol on the African Charter on human and people's rights on the rights of women in Africa. The Maputo Protocol, ratified in Kenya by 2010, in 2010, sorry, and in Article 4 is entirely devoted to the topic of violence against women, which calls the states which Kenya is a member state, to take measures to address SGBV and also punish perpetrators, provide services to survivors, and identify causes of violence. 
So where do we get the help? Where is the help? Are there any programs or any measures put in place for survivors? We have the National GBV hotline number, 1195-1195. It's a number, it's my favorite number. So 1195 is a hotline free call line. It's the National GBV hotline by Health Assistant Kenya, PAC 1195. You can call it 24 hours. It's free. And so when you call, they'll be able to assist you, guide you what you should do when you face sexual violence. You'll be able to talk to someone and also get psychosocial support. So um, this is a line I'm sure that works day in, day out. Then we have the National Child Helpline, 116. You can also call this, especially in cases of um, sexual violence uh, towards children. This is also a very reliable hotline number as well. Then we have Usikimia Helpline, which is 0800 I hope I said it right. Then we have the Q Helpline, which is 0800-720-186. And also, you can try and also check online. There's a national shelters network. So in that, there's a document that actually shows different shelters in, in Kenya. So probably you have a survivor and they need shelter. You can be able to actually reach to a shelter that is near you. So as I end this, I'd want to say that we all have a role to play to end sexual and gender-based violence. And it is our role to end GBV, to end sexual violence. And this starts from what we've talked about today and also ensuring that we break all the biases that actually perpetuate gender-based violence and sexual violence. Thank you. Wow, wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jacinta. Uh, that was such an informative presentation. I think I'm speaking for everyone. I think we're currently all digesting. Um, that was very, very well articulated, uh, very informative. We had some questions for the Q&A, but just listening to your uh, presentation, we're already seeing answers for nearly all the questions we had. So um, I think I'd like to appreciate that from you. I can see Alex is also clapping for you at the chat box. I'm inviting anyone else to feel free to send in that motivation and how you feel after that session. Um, you can comment on the chat box. I'd also like to invite your questions. If anyone has a question to our main speaker today, this is the moment for you. You can unmute your mic and directly ask. You can also put it in the chat box. Let me just prepare to, let me just allow you to do that in a minute. You can send in, uh, you can write in the chat box. You can also simply unmute your microphone. And then you can send it straight away. So Jacinta, once again, thank you. I'm hoping, uh, yes, Stella is saying it was such a nice presentation. It really was. It really was. Jacinta, is it possible for you to share your slide document with us? Maybe to just 
go back to it, uh, look at the laws, look at the things you talked about, and to really just internalize uh, everything that has to do with sexual violence. Is that possible? Would you share with the team? Yes, 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 Nyamira, of course, I'll share with you, and also actually share the document I talked about, the Shelters Network as well. Oh, yeah. thank you. That is amazing. I'd like to share a link act which you had mentioned about and you really um, said that people should make sure they are acquitted with what's in the Sexual Offenses Act. So that PDF I've sent is a very simplified version of the Kenyan Sexual Offenses Act. If you just scan through it, you'll see it has detailed uh, the things Jacinta has been explaining for us here today. And yeah, Jacinta, let me thank you first for the hotlines especially that you placed over there because one of the questions we had uh, you know was where do people seek help like if someone is a victim of sexual offenses where do they go where do they call and uh, even judging by the names on this list i'm seeing usikimia and crew uh, all these are platforms that i have seen being very active and phone calls are actually picked when you call uh, maybe Jacinta, since our audience has a lot of, you know, we, we are we are volunteers, we are people in spaces where we are responsible for other beneficiaries. Maybe could you guide us? Oh, David Androve is saying such an amazing presentation from Jacinta. Yes, it definitely is. Uh, could you, someone has approached you today and, you know, they have explained to you that they are a victim of sexual violence maybe take us through in just a personal way a very short way like how do how do you approach them how do you answer the minute someone tells you they're a victim what steps should you take right now in our country if someone approaches you how take us through just a, a short directive of maybe tell them this assure them this uh is there should you you know like maintain a level of uh, making it confidential maybe just take us through that Yes, sure, So there are some standard operating procedures, actually, when you're handling a survival. And it applies to what I talked about, the different uh, sectors that are actually involved in supporting a survivor. They have their standard operating procedures. But I'll, because we've talked about us and what we can do, so I'll quickly go to the community. So when someone comes to you and they actually share, and at that point, of course, you know it's very hard for them to actually share with you what has happened to them. So first, you're supposed to reassure the survivor and try to calm them down. Please do not interfere with the scene of the crime because interfering would actually interfere with evidence that would actually end up supporting and giving the survivor justice. So ensure that you assist the survivor emotionally. Listen to them. Listen keenly. Console the survivor and assure and empathize with them. And then, of course, advise them not to bathe. Because especially in sexual violence cases, 
they should go to a hospital or a health center within 72 hours. And this is actually an emergency and they should not queue because it's an emergency. So always ensure that if someone comes to you and probably it's a, it's a rape case, ensure that you actually encourage them to report and go to a health center within 72 hours. Because this will also help in getting the evidence to ensure that we bring the uh, the perpetrator to book. Then you take the survivor to, of course, as say the hospital or a police station and then offer ensure that you if you're not um if you do not know how to talk to them or you cannot offer counseling like i said you can call a number or you can reach out to any person you know that can actually support in the psychosocial support so always encourage the survivor to report the matter with the relevant authorities, encourage the survivor to visit hospital for treatment. And when you're asked to cooperate with the police for investigations, always be available and ensure you escort the survivor to the police station or even in the hospital. Because the survivor is sometimes is feeling very alone. They don't know what to do. You, They've come to you. So please ensure you escort. And even when the time for the court case come and you require to give um, a statement or even a witness statement, please be available. And if the survivor is a child, please, they should not go back to the same place they were defiled. That is why we say there's a shelters network and shelters exist. I couldn't actually name all of them. I have worked with some. Uh, but, of course, depending on where someone is coming from, please try and look out some of the existing shelters in your community that you can actually refer survivors. So, some of the don'ts, do not talk ill of the survivor. Do not stigmatize or discriminate against the survivor. Do not publicly discuss the incident or the offense. Actually, do not tell, like, go tell. You only tell someone who you know can support the survivor. But I have seen cases where now when a survivor comes to someone, it becomes a community story where everyone is talking about, you know, this person was raped and all that. Also, do not collaborate with the suspect or the perpetrator in defeating the cause of justice by destroying the evidence or interfering with the crime scene or aiding in hiding the suspect or even a survivor. And sometimes this can be hard for us because... Actually, statistics has proven and research has proven that most of the perpetrators of sexual violence are people well known to us. They're not, yes, we have cases of sexual violence by a stranger, but most cases that are reported are cases that are sexual violence by a father, a neighbor, you know, a friend, an uncle. It's that it's, it's that bad because most of the of the perpetrators are actually well known to us, and so we found some uh, instances where the parent or even if it's the father to the child, the mother wants to collaborate now with the perpetrator because this is their husband, you know, or it's, it's it's your brother or someone, and we will say it. Some people the victim blaming sometimes is like no, this person cannot do this, so. It requires you to be very stern 
and to stand for the survivor because in most cases survivors don't get justice and the reason why they don't get justice is because we have kangaroo courts handling these cases and by kangaroo women in communities they'll sit down with the family uh, probably even when they go to a chief they'll sit down with the family and try to solve the matter privately and probably pay something money we've had communities even in in our kenyan context in places like mandera they they are told to bring i don't know it was 600 and something thousand or probably bring two ships and then that case goes like that please think about the survivor because when you discuss as a family or you facilitate that process they don't actually you're not thinking about what the survivor is going through so it's good for us to ensure that we report these cases and get justice for the survivor but even as we report the cases for me I, I talk with my friends and i tell them sometimes we push survivors to go and report cases go to the police you know all that and even sometimes we have very stringent measures to support them even in the different um different programs you want to see did they have, do they have an ob report which is also important because someone wants to make sure that that case is there but at the end of the day we need to be very i believe we need to be very lenient because at the end of the day when we put such measures and we've seen that most cases go reported the people who actually need the help the most do not end up getting the help so we need to ensure that we listen to survivors i always say the survivor is the survivor is always true they know what they're saying so listen to them and in as much as you insist reporting of the cases ensure the same energy you insist the support to the survivor the survivor what do i mean you ensure they get psychosocial support you ensure if they need a shelter they get this shelter so that they are able to recover to the, to recover from that traumatic experience yes back to you nyawira thank you thank you you've really answered that question in detail i like it because you've given us a full scope of where to begin from the moment they approach you from reassuring them and calming them down listening kindly consoling and empathizing you've taken us through the legal aspects you know like not um uh, reminding victims especially in, in cases of defilement and rape not to to take a shower or bathe before uh, going to a police station and a medical facility because of rape uh, uh because of evidence uh thank you thank you generally i'm saying you've approached it very full circle and i'm great um i am saying we are running out of the time for the session so i feel that i will not proceed with the q and a session much as it's a very intriguing conversation i'm seeing a question from david andove on um what would happen to street women that are facing uh, sexual violence and especially because of the treatment they receive when they go to public spaces that are supposed to offer them help such as police station stations to seek help uh i don't know if you have an addition on that i felt like you answered this because uh you gave us the hotlines because sometimes unfortunately in kenya 
police stations do not always offer you the help that you need, especially in cases of sexual violence. But if you have anything to mention on that, I welcome you. There's also another question. I don't know whether it's a question from Nasubo. Uh, these days we see some cases of false accusations of sexual assault and how do you handle that okay uh maybe i can just uh i don't know if you can just give a highlight to answering this question uh maybe at most uh, four minutes four to five minutes due to our time restrictions i'm sorry guys it's such an engaging session and we i know we have so many questions maybe just just a highlight to answer the two questions yeah, okay, Nyawira. Uh, so I've seen a question on street families. And yeah, when actually I forgot to write, but when I was thinking about who is prone to sexual violence, street families are actually there. And unfortunately, as you said, I think the best thing would be um, to call the hotline numbers. And it's sad. It's sad to note that they don't get the support that they need, you know. They're not even getting the shelter. They are they are sleeping outside. The state is actually even burdened. So when sexual violence actually happen, it's double, double trouble for them. So it's it's really sad. But I think the best thing would be probably to call a hotline number. But I I actually agree that this is an area we need to look into and see what we can do to street families. And also, Thank even you. yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, you proceed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. False accusations. Yes, we've seen false accusations. Um, I would say, if it's actually proved that it's a false accusation, it should be taken seriously because I I usually feel actually very bad when there's a false accusation on sexual sexual violence because they actually hinder the efforts we are putting to ensure survivors get justice. But then this should not be used as a form of us not believing survivors when they come to us. Yes. Thank you. Very well put. Very well put. Uh, thank you very much, Andove, for that question. Actually, David is my co-worker at Rafikiwamta, where we dignify street women and street families. So, and it's true, it's true. They do not really get the help they may need from police officers and other places. So we are really grateful for those hotlines because, um, you know, human rights are intrinsic to the basis of you being a human irrespective of your social or economic class. So it's very amazing that there has been such efforts to the extent that we have hotlines you can call to help absolutely any other individual. Uh, thank you so much, Nasubo, for your question because this has been a pain point in, uh, you know, addressing sexual violence, just as Jacinta pointed out. She answered it very well. She said this, you know, uh, false accusations always water down when victims are seeking assistance. But thankfully for that and we should continue to create awareness that you know it's a criminal offense to take such accusations on someone because you can defame them and other things Jacinta this session has been absolutely amazing absolutely informative I think we've all left here having engaged and opened our minds to a very broader perspective of sexual violence so on behalf of the whole team I wish to thank you so much. 
uh, for sparing your time for preparing such a wonderful detailed presentation for us. We look forward to getting the presentation and just uh, contemplating more on everything that you've taught us today. I don't know if I can have any volunteer to just help me give that vote of thanks as we move to closing the session today. Uh, anybody, anybody, and as someone um, <laughs> seeks to do that, maybe a highlight. I don't know if it was mentioned when my computer had gone offline, but uh, I think one progressive thing that I've seen has happened recently is um, Chief Justice Mother Kome has launched the first specialized uh, sexual and gender-based violence court at the Shanzu Law Courts in Mombasa, and this is one of many. So we have very many more specialized sexual and gender-based violence courts that are going to be opened around the country. And if you listened, I think we had Jacinta mentioning how um, when when you are supporting a survivor, we need to keep up with the court proceedings much as they may take a while appear when you need to be there when you're a key witness. And I think this is something um, the Chief Justice was seeking to help because these cases often die in the middle because of the kind of support needed for such cases is often not the same as as the other cases people are unwilling they don't want to share the very intricate stories in front of the public court so i think that's a very big milestone that we all need to celebrate and pass the good news to people around us so do we have a volunteer who can maybe turn on their mic uh pass the the appreciation for our speaker today and then we can move to closing the session any volunteer any volunteer i don't know if andove i am seeing your hand up but if that is your hand i have seen i can also welcome you to just give a vote of thanks to the speaker for the session a very short one and then i can close the session uh, okay, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank all of our speakers today and for you, Tori, as well. Uh, you are an amazing moderator. Uh, it was an amazing session because first, uh, I, I have never attended such, an, uh, such a discussion before and it's an amazing thing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Sawa Sawa, thank you very much. I can see... Um my friend Stella is so I will take it upon myself to close the meeting Jacinta thank you once more we wish you the best continue with the work that you're doing as a gender expert and a gender activist thank you for standing in the place for the victims of sexual violence and GBV may you continue with your work may you get blessed in everything that you do for everybody who joined the session I wish to appreciate you for taking the initiative to come and learn about sexual violence. I know our aim in learning about it is to help survivors and to prevent sexual violence. So just being here is also something that we all deserve a blessing for. I wish you success in every single thing you're doing, where you're volunteering from. Um, I wish you and your team's success. Thank you very much, Jacinta. Looking forward to further interaction. I think we can officially close the meeting as we thank uh, Net Plus Kenya for creating such a wonderful session, a wonderful online series as we continue to handle the menaces that are going in society as we aim for a better and healthier community for dignified humans. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful night, everyone.
Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me.